ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد سلاستمن ومنشن الحديث Uh, the hadith regarding how the groups of people came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam hadith of Imran ibn Hussain قال إني عند النبي sallallahu alayhi wa sallam إذ جاءه قوم من بني تميم فقال اقبلوا البشرى يا بني تميم قالوا بشرتنا فأعطنا فدخل ناس من أهل اليمن فقال اقبلوا البشرى يا أهل اليمن إذ لم يقبلها بن تميم قالوا قبلنا جئناك لنتفقه في الدين ولنسألك عن أول هذا الأمر ما كان قال كان الله ولم يكن شيء قبله وكان عرشه على الماء ثم خلق السماوات والأرض وكتب في الذكر كل شيء ثم أتاني رجل فقال يا عمران أدرك ناقتك فقد ذهبت فانطلقت أطلبها فإذا السراب ينقطع دونها ويم الله لوددت أنها قد ذهبت ولم أقم In this narration we mentioned it was regarding the fact that they asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam what was the first thing in the creation how was the beginning of this creation and so the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had said to them that there was Allah and there was nothing before him and his throne was above the water كان الله ولم يكن شيء قبله وكان عرشه على الماء ثم خلق السماوات والأرض and then Allah سبحانه وتعالى created the heavens and the earth وَكَتَبَ فِي الذِّكْرِ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ And he wrote in the preserved tablet everything. The narration therefore highlighted to us that Allah is the first without a beginning and He is the last without an ending. And there was nothing before Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always was. And He... Then created the heavens and the earth and his throne was above the water. Scholars have therefore said that the first thing created in creation was was what? The Arsh that Allah created the throne first. Some scholars, however, did have the opinion 
that it was actually what created first the pen because in the other narration it says when Allah created the pen first Allah said to it write but the most authentic or the most accepted opinion as it appears to be is that the first thing created was the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then Allah created all of the heavens and the earth and we know that the throne of Allah it is the ceiling of all of the creation when you think about the proportions mentioned in the hadith where it says that all of this earth the heavens and the earth all of this creation compared to the throne of Allah or compared to the footstool of Allah is nothing other than like a ring thrown in a desert and then the footstool of Allah compared to the throne of Allah is again nothing other than like a ring thrown in a desert so that indicates to the vastness and the greatness of the creation of Allah then we moved on to talking about this final line وَكَتَبَ فِي الذِّكْرِ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote everything down فِي الذِّكْرِ يَعْنِي اللَّوْحُ الْمَحْفُوظِ that Allah wrote down everything in the preserved tablet كَمَا قَالَ تَعَالَى وَلَقَدْ كَتَبْنَا فِي الزَّبُورِ مِنْ بَعْدِ الذِّكْرِ أَنَّ الْأَرْضَ يَرِثُهَا عِبَادِيَ الصَّالِحُونَ There it is mentioned مِنْ بَعْدِ الذِّكْرِ That is referring to اللَّوْحُ الْمَحْفُوظِ So we know that all of that was written down in the preserved tablet how many years before the creation of the heavens and the earth? 50,000 years before the creations of the heavens and the earth just like it is mentioned in the narration كَتَبَ اللَّهُ مَقَادِيرَ الْخَلْقِ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَخْلُقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ بِخَمْسِينَ أَلْفَ سَنَةِ وَكَانَ عَرْشُهُ عَلَى الْمَاءِ that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote down the decree of everything that is to occur 50,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth and his throne was above the water in the other narration about the pen أول ما خلق الله القلم قال له اكتب قال ماذا اكتب قال اكتب كل ما هو كائن الى يوم القيامة when Allah created the pen Allah said to the pen write the pen said what shall I write Allah said write everything that will occur to the day of judgment 
write down all of that which will occur to the day of judgment. And that is why when we talk about the decree of Allah, then there are four basic concepts to understand. The decree of Allah, the Qadr, there are four basic concepts, four basic aspects of the decree that we must know. So what are they? Since we do know, because we've studied it on multiple occasions before, somebody comes to you now and says, you believe in the six pillars of Iman. True? Absolutely. And the sixth pillar of Iman is Al-Iman Bil-Qadr. Khayrihi wa sharri. The Iman in the decree, it's good and it's bad. Somebody says to you, what does it mean? Al-Iman Bil-Qadr. Khayrihi wa sharrihi. What does it mean? Explain to me, كيف الإيمان بالقدر? So what are you going to say? What are you going to tell him? Put your hands up if you know the answers before you get picked. One only? Only one, two? No, there are more. The four levels of the decree. The four levels of the decree. The four parts of the decree. Only three people. Shall we let the guests go? The guests, tell us the answer then. So the first level, when somebody says to you, what is the meaning of Iman in the decree? We're talking about Allah having written down all of the decree 50,000 years before the creation, etc. Somebody says to you, explain to me about the decree then. What is the belief of Ahlul Sunnah regarding the decree? Number one, you tell him, Point number one, regarding the decree and the whole concept of the decree is that the knowledge of Allah encompasses everything. The knowledge of Allah that encompasses everything. Allah knows the past and Allah knows the present and Allah knows the future and then as the scholars have mentioned there is a fourth thing also Allah knows the past the present the future but there is a fourth part also and the fourth part is what What was not meant to happen, but what didn't happen, things that didn't happen in the past, they're not happening in the present, they're not going to happen in the future. 
supposing they happened, then Allah knows how they would have happened. So things that actually happened in the past, Allah knows. Things that are actually happening in the present, Allah knows. Things that are actually going to happen in the future, Allah knows. Things that never actually happened or will happen, supposing they did, and they don't, but supposing they did, Allah knows how and what and where it would all happen. So that is the knowledge of Allah that encompasses everything that occurs, past, present and future, and even those things that are only assumptions or suppositions or maybes, if they had happened, then Allah knows how they would have happened too. And that's why it mentions in the Quran, regarding this opening principle or aspect of the decree, that Allah's knowledge encompasses everything. He is the all-hearing, the all-seeing, Al-Alim, the all-knowledgeable. In the Quran it mentions, وَمَا تَسْقُطُ مِنْ وَرَقَةٍ إِلَّا يَعْلَمُهَا There is not a single leaf that falls off any tree except that Allah knows. So when you think about that example, there is not a single leaf that falls off any tree except that Allah knows how many trees are there here in Manchester. You never learnt that at school? Neither did that. So how many trees are there in Manchester? We're talking at least figures of hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands. Definitely going into hundreds of thousands plus of how many trees there are in Greater Manchester in UK. How many trees are there in the UK altogether? Figures of millions we're talking, sah? Millions plus. Hundreds of millions plus. How many trees in Europe altogether? Hundreds of millions plus. Multiplied hundreds of millions plus. How many in the whole world? The figures get into billions. They say the figures get into trillions. Of how many trees there are on the face of the earth. But then... How many leaves are there altogether on all of those trees? So, trillions, 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 huh? Any single leaf falls off any single tree anywhere in the world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows which leaf has fallen off which tree. And as Imam al-Qurtubi mentioned in his tafsir, that Allah knows exactly which leaf of which tree and how long it flutters in the air and where it lands on the floor. The knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anywhere in the world, you think about those rainforests in the Amazon, in the, in the Indonesian areas, rainforests, a single leaf somewhere in there falling off. Exactly which tree, which leaf, how long it floats in the air, and where it lands on the floor. So when we talk about the decree of Allah, the first aspect is the recognition of the absolute knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
the absolute encompassing knowledge. Nothing is hidden from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What's point number two? Al-Kitabah. That it is all written down in the preserved tablet. All of the decree, everything as we mentioned here is written down in the preserved tablet as it was done so 50,000 years before the creation of creation. Number three, Al-Mashi'ah. Now all of a sudden everybody talking? Now all of a sudden everybody wants to participate? So Al-Mashi'ah, that is the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The will of Allah meaning مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ كَانْ وَمَا لَمْ يَشَأْ لَمْ يَكُنْ Whatever Allah wills, it occurs. And whatever He does not will, then it will not occur. Whatever Allah wills occurs. And whatever Allah does not will, it will not occur. Adhan gone or not? Is it time? Do it when it's time. Someone do it if it's time. We'll break off for the prayer. We'll break off for the prayer. After the prayer, we're going to do another 20 minutes, 25 minutes, inshallah. Just around Allah, the section of the Akbar, decree. Allah, Akbar. Allah, Akbar, Allah, Akbar. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa Allah Ashhadu an la ilaha illa Allah Ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah Ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah Hayya 'ala as-salah Hayya 'ala as-salah Hayya 'ala al-falah حي على الفلاح الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله Alhamdulillah, salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man walah. So we were mentioning the four levels of the decree. The first level of the decree being the all-encompassing knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second level of the decree being that it's all written down in the preserved tablet. The third level of the decree we were discussing just now was Al-Mashi'ah and that is basically Ma Allahu kan wa ma lam yasha' lam yakun Whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills, will be and whatever He does not will, then it will not be With that there is the issue the scholars mention regarding Al-Iradah, Al-Kawniyah, and Al-Iradah, Al-Shari'iyah. 
that there are two types of the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are two types of the will of Allah. One known as al-iradah al-kawniyah, the will of Allah as it relates to the creational sense. And then al-iradah al-shari'iyah, the will of Allah as it relates to the legislative sense, the religion, sharia. The first type, the will of Allah in the creational sense, then in that regard, whatever Allah wills, then it absolutely must happen. In the other one though, Al-Irada Al-Shari'iyah, the will of Allah as it relates to the legislative affairs, Allah loves and wills or loves that everybody should be, for example, Muslims. True? And that everybody should be upon Iman and Tawheed. True? Because Allah does not love Kufr. True? Absolutely. So Allah loves that everybody should be upon Iman, everybody should be upon Tawheed, everybody should be believers, but is it willed in the creational sense? Does Allah will that to occur in the creational sense? That isn't the case as such. In the Shari'i sense, Allah loves that everybody should be believers, but it is not something that has been decreed in the creational sense. Because Allah has put the tests and the trials upon the people, and Allah has given us that choice we were speaking about last time. Allah loves that we should all make their choice and be upon Iman. But people choose to be upon Kufr and to remain upon Kufr. And as we said, Allah already knows those choices people are going to make. And that's why Allah already knows everybody's place in either paradise or hell. So there is these two types of the will of Allah. What Allah wills in the religious sense is that everybody should be believers and everybody should repent, etc. But that does not necessitate it will occur that Allah will make that occur. Rather, it's the creational sense, that is the will of Allah, that whatever Allah wills creationally, it will occur. And what He does not will, will not occur. So then the question is, why has it not just been decreed for everybody to be Muslim and everybody to be a believer? That is the whole test. Allah created this creation and placed that test upon us. The test of those who will accept and follow Tawheed from those who will refuse and reject and turn their backs onto it and go into shirk. 
الذي خلق الموت والحياة ليبلوكم أيكم أحسن عملا He is the one who created death and life in order to test you which of you will be the best in your actions which of you will be the best in your deeds and so now this is that test this world it is that test and this is what the people will be accountable upon in the hereafter the choices you make in this world of either obedience or disobedience and that's why Allah mentions in the hadith Qudsi إِنَّمَا هِيَ أَعْمَالُكُمْ اِحْصِيهَا لَكُمْ that Allah will say Allah says on the day of judgment this is referring to that إِنَّمَا هِيَ أَعْمَالُكُمْ اِحْصِيهَا لَكُمْ it is your deeds your actions that we register your deeds your actions that we hold in accountability فَمَنْ وَجَدَ خَيْرًا فَلْيَحْمَدِ اللَّهِ so whomsoever finds goodness on that day then let him thank Allah وَمَنْ وَجَدَ غَيْرَ ذَلِكَ فَلَا يَلُومَنَّ إِلَّا نَفْسَهِ But whomsoever finds other than that on that day, meaning somebody finds not goodness in their records, but finds evil in their records on that day, فَلَا يَلُومَنَّ إِلَّا نَفْسَهِ Then let him not blame anyone except himself. Then let him not blame anyone except himself. Because this is the opportunity for the deeds, for the actions, for the obedience. The Salaf they used to say, there are three places where you're all going to live. Three places where you are all going to live. There is this world, then there is the Barzakh, and then there is the afterlife. From those three places, only one of them is the opportunity Allah has given you to do your good deeds. That is, this existence now, this residence now. Because once a person dies and moves on to the Barzakh, then do you have an opportunity for your good deeds? You do not. And the evidence? إِذَا مَاتَ الْعَبْدِ انْقَطَعَ عَنْهُ عَمَلُهُ When a servant dies, his actions, his deeds are cut off from him. They are finished, cut off from him. No opportunity for good deeds now. Except, إِلَّا مِنْ ثَلَاثِ Except from three things. 
and those three mentioned in the hadith are hands up if you know all three one two three four five hands up if you know what all three of those things are all of your deeds are cut off when you die when you enter bazakh except three things go on then what are the three things Your faith, no that's true, that's the fitnatul qabr you mean, in the grave when the angels come and they're going to ask you those questions, who was your Lord, what was your faith, your religion, and who was your prophet, that's correct, that's the fitnatul qabr, but before that we're talking about when you die, all of the good deeds you've been doing, all of the good actions you've been doing, and getting the reward for that, inshallah ta'ala, when you die, then all of that chance to do your good actions has now finished. But even after you die though, there are three actions that carry on getting you reward. Sadaqah, Jariya is one. Illa min thalath. Min sadaqatin jariya. From the ongoing charity. What is ongoing charity? Sadaqah jariya. For example, you gave money to help build a masjid. After you die, the mosque will still be there. Muslims, people will still be coming in and benefiting, praying, Jumu'ah. Salawat, everything, lessons, all of that will carry on happening after your death. And you participated in originally putting your donations into building that masjid. So all of those years that it carries on benefiting the people from your initial charity, you carry on getting reward even after you've died. So that is one, Sadaqa Jariya. Another one. A righteous child. وَلَدٍ صَالِحٍ يَدْعُوا لَهِ A righteous child that makes dua for you after you die. You leave behind children. Those children, they make dua that Allah forgives their parents, their deceased parents. That Allah has mercy upon their deceased parents. They make dua for their parents and that dua they make for their parents then that is something which benefits the parents. Benefits the parents. The dua being made for them. Asking Allah to forgive them. To have mercy upon them. In one narration it mentions. An authentic narration. That a man in paradise. Will be raised up into higher levels of paradise. He will say. My Lord. What have I done to deserve this raise in paradise? And it will be said to him, because of the dua of your children for you. After your death, your children made dua for you, asking, asking for forgiveness for you, asking for mercy for you, etc., etc. That dua of your children has raised you in rank. Authentic narration.
So that is number two. The righteous children that you leave behind them make dua for you. And that is something which is upon us to all focus on. The children and the youth. Allah mentions in the Quran, Protect yourselves and your families from the fire. All of you are shepherds and all of you are responsible for your flock. The husband, the father, the wife, the mother, all responsible for their duties with their children. So that is two, the dua of your children. What is the third thing that will carry on benefiting you in your grave even after your death? Because of the min harf jar at the beginning. So, the knowledge that you leave behind and people continue to benefit from it. That is something we witness right now. We are here and we've been here for 40 lessons or so studying the book of an imam, of a sheikh who died over 1200 years ago. Approximately 1200 years ago he died. Over a thousand years ago he died, al-imam al-Bukhari. And here we are benefiting from the knowledge he compiled and left behind for us. The explanation of a Shaykh al-Uthaymeen, rahimahullah ta'ala, died, died years ago, decade or more, longer. Yet here we are, benefiting from the knowledge that he left behind. So a person leaves behind knowledge, teaches his family, teaches his neighbors, his community, and then after he dies, that knowledge he taught them, the knowledge that he left behind in books, in CDs, in whatever format, it continues to benefit them and the people, so he continues to gain the reward for it. Continues to gain the reward for it. And there are other narrations similar to that. مَنْ سَنَّ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ سُنَّةً حَسَنًا فَلَهُ أَجْرُهَا وَأَجْرُمًا عَمِلَ بِهَا مِنْ بَعْدِهِ Whomsoever revives a sunnah, revives a sunnah, a certain sunnah that people had lost and no knowledge existed amongst the people regarding it. But it was a sunnah. He extracts it, brings it out, teaches it to the people again. So they start doing it again. Revives a sunnah that was lost. And the people then practice and continue practicing it even after his death. That is all benefit for him and reward for him. So that is all the types of things that a person may benefit from in the barzakh after his death. But otherwise, otherwise generally speaking, once a person exits from this world, your chance for your deeds comes to an end. And in the resurrection... The chance for the deeds is not there. And that is actually an example of Allah knowing the past, the present, the future, and even those things that don't occur, if they occurred, Allah knows how they would occur. In the hereafter, 
the kuffar, they make a request. They ask Allah, send us back to the earth and give us one more chance, we will do righteousness. But Allah says in the Quran, If they were sent back, they would only go back to their evil again. Were they sent back? They weren't. That's something supposing. Allah says, if they were sent back upon their request, they wouldn't do righteousness. They would go back to doing their evil, known to Allah already. Known that this is what they would do if they were sent back and they are not. So the point being here, regarding the third aspect, that whatever Allah wills, it will occur. What Allah does not will, it does not occur. In this world, you have that choice to do worship and obedience, to do the righteousness, to fulfill the commandments of Allah. Once this world is over, the second and the third places of residence, it is not the opportunity for deeds any longer. This world is the opportunity for the deeds. And that's why also the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, كُنْ فِي الدُّنْيَا كَأَنَّكَ غَرِيبٌ أَوْ عَابِرُ سَبِيلٌ Be in this world as though you are a stranger or a traveler passing through. Why be like a stranger or a traveler? What is common between a stranger and a traveler through? That neither of them are resident in that place. Somebody who walks in now, somebody walks in from Liverpool, they are strangers. They are not from this place. Nobody recognizes them. Nobody understands them. So they are strangers. Strangers to this place. It's not their residence. Also people traveling through. Traveling through. So a traveler is going from Scotland to London. And he stops in Manchester for the night. Breaks up his journey. He is only passing through. It's not his residence. So a traveler and a stranger, they have something in common. And that is that they are not in their place of residence. A traveler is going through. A stranger is somewhere where he doesn't normally live. They're not in their place of residence. So the Prophet ﷺ said, be in this world as though you are a traveler or a stranger. Meaning, be as though this world is not your place of residence. Be in this world as though this place is not your residence. And that's why Shaykh al-Fawzan explained and he said, that's because your residence originally, it was not this world. You are passing through this world. Your residence actually was... Was what? Paradise. Your residence was originally paradise. Adam salam. Which paradise was he in? The paradise that Allah has prepared for the believers? Or a different one? That's a debate between the scholars. But paradise of whatever paradise it was. This world is a secondary affair. Passing through it to get back to the original home. The original home of 
paradise. So now it's the opportunity Allah has given the servants to do their deeds. And that is the third aspect we generally spoke about. Whatever Allah wills, then it occurs, and what He does not will does not occur. The fourth and the final aspect of the decree then, everything is created by Allah. Al-Khalq. Allah created all of this. Everything is the creation of Allah. If somebody asks you then about the decree, it's those four parts. All of the, the, the all-encompassing knowledge of Allah. Then also that it was all written down in the preserved tablet. Then also the will of Allah. Then also the creation of Allah. Many of the people of innovation had deviancies regarding those aspects. Some of them, the Jabariya, for example, and the Qadariya, the two main groups. The Jabariya, they say we have no choice. We don't have a choice. We are simply compelled to do what we do. But if that was the case, then the person who ends up in hellfire, is it his fault? And the person who ends up in paradise, has he done anything to earn it? Nothing if you are compelled. The Qadariya, the Ghulat, especially the extreme ones of the past, they used to say Allah doesn't know what's going to happen until we actually do it. The extreme Qadariya of the past. Shaykh al-Islam mentioned that type don't really exist anymore. The groups of innovation and deviance, nobody really says to that level, Allah doesn't know what's going to happen until we do it. But they used to exist. Nowadays, there are other forms of that group of the Qadariya with their deviances in understanding the decree of Allah. But that is the four aspects that you must know. The belief in the decree. When you study the hadith of Jibreel, everybody study the hadith of Jibreel. If you said, now put your hands up if you've gone across the hadith of Jibreel, the many majority of the people. So then you should know these four pillars of the decree. The pillars of Iman are the basics. Everybody has to have an understanding of those basic pillars of Iman. But anyway, tonight then we'll just round off on that point there. We'll start the new hadith. In fact, now it's going to be after Ramadan. Next Saturday is the conference in Liverpool. The conference there at the Marcus Bukhari organizing it. So everybody try to make the effort to go there for next Saturday all day from 2 p.m. till late. Uh, the brothers are going to be coming, everybody, Abu Khadija, Abu Hakim, Abu Idris, Abu Iyab. So it's going to be a full day conference in Liverpool next week. The week after that, so next week is 5th of May, Saturday. The one after that, 12th of May, Saturday, is the event in Bradford. Al-Basira, uh, and uh, Abu Khadija, Abu Iyad, etc. is going to be there as well. So that's the event on the 12th. Next two Saturdays, Liverpool, then Bradford. Then after that, 19th of May, that's when we're going to come back here, inshallah. That will be the first Saturday of Ramadan. So in that Saturday, we won't do this. We'll do some Ramadan-related topic for that Saturday and the one after that. The first two Saturdays of Ramadan, maybe the first three, but the last couple will definitely be off anyway. But the first two Saturdays of Ramadan, maybe three, we'll do some Ramadan topics. But the next two weeks, you've got Liverpool, then Bradford, inshallah. So we'll round up from there for tonight then.